Right now we're going to welcome in our next guest. We've got Alan Adler here to talk about what's going on at Mack Trucks and give us a little bit of an update on Class 8 orders. Alan, thanks for being here. Obviously, that news of Mack Trucks getting that contract with the UAW, that vote is this weekend, was the big news of the week for them. We've got a little bit more details about what's involved in that contract. What can you tell us? Well, first of all, Reese's Big Cup for me. You didn't ask. (laughs) Okay. So, all right. So, Mac, you know, earlier in the week, we reported some details of the local agreement. Um, There are 11 of those, actually, across all of the locals that are covered in this new master agreement. And we reported that uh, the Mac production technicians or production workers in Pennsylvania are adding half an hour to their work week, excuse me, their work day in exchange for about $3,000 in additional pay. Now that comes underneath some of the details of the new master agreement, which will be voted on Sunday in three states where there are Mac and uh, Volvo group uh, operations that are covered by this contract. Top line number, 19% pay increase across five years with 10% uh, immediate uh, at the at the ratification of the vote. So there you go. That's kind of your big number in terms of what, what we've been expecting. Now, that doesn't contrast very well against what the UAW is asking the Detroit Three Automakers for. They originally came in and said, we want 40%. Of course, it's not going to end up there, but you're going to have some combination of things when that strike gets settled that's now two weeks old. But uh, the Mac workers are going to do pretty well. In addition to the 19% pay bump, they'll get $1,000 a year into the 401ks. If they're not covered by health benefits, those that are covered will see improvements there. There's an additional week of vacation for workers who have six months to three years uh, on in in service at the at the uh, Mac operations. So, and then also, oh, I forgot this part, and this is what will probably get a lot of votes, is that there's a $3,500 signing bonus upon ratification. So, uh, pretty good contract, it sounds like. There's some squabbling out there in the part of the, uh, the uh, World Workers Socialist website. They don't like anything, though, so that's fair. <laughs> they say, well, it doesn't keep up with inflation. Well, which of our jobs really pays us to keep up with inflation anyway? So, uh, but it's not a bad, it's not a bad agreement. It's going to be pretty expensive, I think. But I think in the case of Mac, they got it done without a work stoppage, which is in these days a pretty big deal. So looking at this, is this going to provide any kind of precedent for the other UAW negotiations to go through? Obviously, numbers very widely apart there. We talk about 19 percent versus 40 percent desired. But is this going to, to have any effect on, hey, look, here's what they got over here. Maybe management looks at it and said, look, we, we're not going to give you that much more than that. I think those negotiations, Bill, are really separate. I I think that the MAC thing is important in the sense that it's 3,900 workers who are covered. So, you know, this is a pretty big workforce. I'm not sure that there's a lot of influence that this agreement has uh, versus the national talks uh, between the UAW and the Detroit Three. I mean, you know, there you're talking to 250,000 workers and and clearly kind of whatever happens there will be the benchmark. I think we're starting to see some activity toward a cost of living increases that is not included in the the MAC agreement. And, you know, if you think about it, you get your 10% up front and that might bring you current uh, from where you were four years ago go uh, possibly, and then you're going to get about two and a half percent a year for each of the next uh, uh, four years of the agreement. Um, if inflation stays where it is, maybe that's pretty good. I mean, overall, these guys are and, and women are, are doing fine. I mean, if they, in fact, vote for this, 
I don't think you're going to see this get turned down. And I also don't think it has a big impact on what's happening over in Detroit with the uh, with the talks there. I liked the quote that was in your article yesterday that you put up about this from that local 677 chapter in Pennsylvania. It said, our job security is dependent on our willingness to be creative in our joint partnership approach to address these concerns. I think that that's kind of refreshing to hear from a local union chapter, right, is the fact that they openly say, we got to be a little flexible if we want to keep our jobs. And that shows that we talk, of course, about the power of labor in this space, but they still understand that there is this kind of give and take when it comes to their labor negotiations. Does this sentiment from this specific local chapter kind of give us any great indication on if it will pass that ratification vote? And does it kind of echo the sentiment across the larger UAW for Mac? I think it says a lot. First of all, I was talking to Bill about this a little bit earlier, and we, we were going back and forth. I said, yeah, it's, it sounds like an adult statement. I mean, it sounds like yeah. there's an adult in saying it doesn't sound like a child. And not that I'm accusing anyone of being a child here. It's just to say that, yes, it's a recognition that if Mac doesn't succeed or doesn't grow market share, it probably doesn't employ as many people uh, going forward. Now, the plant there is interesting. Uh, it's just as a side note. Um, they did some work there uh, back in, uh, con- concluded in 2020. It was like 80-some million dollars of plant improvements. But but you know what? They're space-constrained. They probably don't have enough work to add a third shift. But to extend the work uh, hours rather than, say, raising the line rate or something like that is a pretty creative approach. And the fact that there is more than sort of tacit agreement on the part of the union to do this, I think speaks well of their negotiating team. Uh, I can't say whether the rank and file will buy it. I think they probably will, but who knows? We'll find out over the weekend. You have to remember two years ago uh, when Volvo was out, it took three tries. And finally, Volvo just went ahead and implemented the contract because they couldn't get all the way to the to the end. And so we've got a lot more um, open-ended kind of questions. This is not going to be a 90% passage. Maybe it passes with 60%. Um, It doesn't really matter as long as it passes, I suppose, because they can keep working. If they send the bargainers back to the table, that would be pretty interesting here. Um, But this is the first sort of of the UAW agreements that we've seen that suggest that, you know, they're going to, you know, they're getting more than they have previously anyway. Got about a minute and a half left here, Alan. Stripping over to the Class 8 uh, trucks uh, peaking in September. We just had John Kixon on talking about the employment numbers and then rising dramatically uh, in September. And now we're hearing, of course, that the Class 8 trucks in September are now uh, also uh, peaking uh, to some degree this year as well. Well, let's let's remember this is a very cyclical business. Of course, you know the production and the and the ordering. Uh, order books for 2024 are open now, and that's why you've got this surge. But compared to a year ago in September, when you had 53,000 trucks ordered, um, it's not as good. It's a good start. Um, I think the thing that I point out in the story, and this is something that gets forgotten a lot of times, is that you know you can reserve these spots, these build slots, which will take about six months to get a truck from the time that you order it. But you also can cancel that order almost up to the day that they start ordering materials to build the truck. So uh, this could be a hedge. It could be some optimism, you know, for 2024. We could be seeing some pull ahead for uh, 2025 when California will begin to make uh, a certain percentage, a small percentage, like five percent of Class Eight trucks will have to be zero emission. So you could be seeing some pull ahead there. I think most of this is probably just uh, hedging to make sure you have a build slot if you need it, and uh, they'll throw these back possibly if things don't go well. 
be interesting to watch. Alan, thank you for joining us this morning. I'm sure we'll hear from you next week with the result of that max vote. Okay, thanks, guys. All right, we'll take a short break. Lots more content coming up here on Freightways now after this.